Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. On today's show, we're exploring how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting our courts and the people, many of them among society's most vulnerable, who depend on that system for justice. We begin in Los Angeles at the Edelman Children's Courthouse, which has been closed for much of the week because of the outbreak. It handles some of our state's most delicate cases, those of children allegedly abused or neglected. Here's Deepa Fernandez. When Leslie Hymov arrived at court early Tuesday morning, she found a lot of families waiting. So I am over here at the Children's Courthouse in Monterey Park, where the notice on the courthouse door says that the court is closed for three days and doesn't really provide a lot of information about what to do. Hymov directs the Children's Law Center, which represents all children in the child welfare system in L.A. and Sacramento. She was the one explaining the closure to confused parents. They were all told to come to court, so they're showing up, some of them taking public transportation, some with their babies with them. Hymov worries that the precautionary court closures due to the spreading coronavirus might have other harmful impacts. While we take our civic duty to flatten the curve extremely seriously. We also recognize that there are some situations where there are equally as important concerns for the welfare of a child or of the family that need to be addressed timely and can't be put on hold indefinitely. The courts will remain closed until April 16 for all but time-sensitive and essential functions. This worries grandmother, Janine Townsend of Paris, California, who relies on a court order to guarantee visitation with her grandson. I'm hoping we get a visit on Friday. The child was removed from his parents and placed with a foster family. She's worried it'll be a long time before she can see him again. Because they're saying this can go on for months. But Bobby Cagle, who runs the Department of Family and Community Services in Los Angeles, the nation's largest child welfare agency, says visits with family members will proceed. We're doing things like telephone calls, FaceTime, Skype. What worries Cagle more is that his emergency call centre, a hotline number that receives between 500 to 1,000 calls per day reporting alleged child abuse or neglect, 
has seen a dramatic drop in the number of calls since schools closed on Monday. What we have seen is a 30 to 50 percent decrease in the amount of calls, the volume of calls over the last couple of days. Teachers are often the ones that notice when a child might be the victim of abuse and they call the hotline. Now, children are confined at home, something that also worries advocates for women who are victims of domestic violence. Carmen McDonald is the Director of Legal Services at the Los Angeles Centre for Law and Justice. Often staying home is not the safest plan because the abuser, the person hurting them, knows where they live or they live together. And oftentimes, again... Schools play a critical role in helping women get out of dangerous situations, she says. But with all the closures... The child's not going to school to tell their teacher what's happening at home. LA Superior Court announced that all restraining orders due to expire will automatically be extended 21 days. Which is very helpful, McDonald says, but she worries about women, mothers, who need a hearing and won't get one. For the California Report, I'm Deepa Fernandez in Los Angeles. And Deepa is a reporting fellow at Pacific Oaks College, which is funded in part by First 5 LA. While advocates that she spoke to fear too few hearings, it's a different story in another corner of our justice system, immigration courts. The National Association of Immigration Judges has been calling on the U.S. Department of Justice to shut them down to protect staff and immigrant defendants from coronavirus. Here's the president, Judge Ashley Tabador. People are in panic mode. They don't understand why their own government is placing them in this situation. Why are they being placed in harm's way when all of the public health experts say, stay away from group settings, keep social distance. DOJ is agreeing to temporarily close 10 immigration courts across the country, postponing hearings for immigrants that aren't in detention. But for those who are, their hearings will go on for now. Nearly 60 immigration courts are still up and running, seven of them here in California. Well, there are growing calls for the Trump administration to release detained migrants during the pandemic. Immigrant advocates say close quarters in ICE facilities put detainees at risk. So far, the administration hasn't agreed. Instead, they're using the potential for an outbreak to justify a very different plan, one to turn away asylum seekers and other undocumented immigrants trying to enter the U.S. at the southern border. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Under the new plan, immigration officials would immediately return to Mexico undocumented immigrants caught crossing the border. Asylum seekers won't be allowed to start claims for U.S. protection. Officials told the New York Times the unprecedented measures aim to protect people at detention centers. The hypocrisy of that is that they are saying we don't want to let coronavirus into our detention centers and yet they are not taking care of those who are already in detention centers. Katie Kavanaugh is an attorney with the California Collaborative for Immigrant Justice, one of the 60 organizations in the state now demanding immigration and customs enforcement officials release some detainees. She says she's worried for sick or elderly detainees at the Yuba County Jail, where ICE holds about 180 people. The humane and, and best thing for public safety and public health would be to release people to the community where they can isolate um, instead of keeping them in these tight quarters where they're not being given access to necessary hygiene and cleaning supplies. A spokeswoman with the Yuba County Jail says detainees are screened and isolated or given face masks if medical staff advise it. 
ICE says there are no confirmed cases of COVID-19 at detention centers, and it has halted visits by family and friends. ICE has also announced it will scale back arresting and detaining immigrants in the U.S. if they don't pose a threat to public safety. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And that is the California Report for today. I'm Lily Jamali. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, offering financial planning with registered advisors and serving over 2 million people with online financial tools. PersonalCapital.com. Paint Care, now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.